Um, hello, Beer and Ballet fans. Welcome back to Beer and Ballet's podcast. As always, I am your host, Amber Daniels, and I am super stoked for this next artist that I'm going to chat with today. You might recognize her from this summer when we were doing some highlighted companies, and she's done some amazing, fantastic work within the DC area. So I'm excited for y'all to get to chat with her. Britta Joy Peterson, how you doing? Thanks for the introduction, Amber. <laughs> I'm good. I, you know... I'm I'm here and I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, we're gonna have an awesome time. I'm so yeah, we are in my arms. Nobody can see. Me. Great, <laughs> but, but I can. So that's yeah. I I appreciate it as your audience. Uh, great arm wriggling, A plus. Thank you. I try. You know. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Professional dancers here in the room. You know? Yeah. Right. I mean, got to get that MFA for something. It yeah. Might as right. Well be for arm wriggling. Yep. <laughs> So just I, as you're sipping on it, what you drinking on today as we're having this conversation? So I had like a big conundrum as to what I should drink. And I'll probably make a second cocktail in a second because yeah. I, I'm, I consume, I consume my alcohol work quickly, mm-hmm. but I, my current favorite brewery is Aslan. I've been consuming a lot of Aslan. Uh, my favorite is Baby Shark. It is quite good, but I opted for my favorite whiskey, which I've gotten two bottles of whiskey from as gifts recently. This, uh, so I'm a big High West fan. I used to live in the West. I used to live in Wyoming and High West is based in Utah. So I'm drinking some High West Double Rye, uh, which was a gift from my cast from Frequencies. And it felt like the right thing. And then I also have a half gone bottle of bright lights big bourbon that was given to me by my students oh you know your lovely. students are fucking rad <laughs> Ooh, can I swear on this podcast yeah I you're good <laughs> okay great um you know your students are fucking rad when they give you whiskey and beer as your thank you gift heck yeah they know <laughs> yeah. they know yeah, the way they, they do are. know all right well there, oh there's so much that we get to talk about and I I can't yeah, wait yeah. But let's start with this first conversation of how did your dancing journey kind of start for you? I grew up in Minneapolis. That's where I'm from. Suburb, like, suburb just <clears throat> skirting um, the city proper. And one of the, one of my parents' rules when we were young is that you had to do an art and a sport every season. And, you know, both of my folks worked. So I was at, like, I three meals a day at school or at church, depending. And then after school, I would be doing one of these activities. And I started dancing pretty young because my sister did it. And I also, you know, was in choir and I was a music, like I was a violinist and um, I played a lot of sports. And at some point, I don't remember when, like it was probably middle school somewhere, I decided that dance was something that I really enjoyed and really loved. And I loved my community at my, um, at the studio that I was in, which was not competitive. It was, we had a, like a jazz company and a ballet company that I, and and modern. Um, So I was studying and performing those things, but we didn't do competition. And then in high school, I, I also have a big theater. Uh, I've been doing theater since my, 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 per, my first professional performance was when I was 11. I was performing with the Children's Theater in Minneapolis in Prince and the Pauper. 
I was a child who was burned at the stake for being a witch. It was a, it was a prime role for, for a youthful Britta. That's a tall order for an 11 year yeah. old. Yeah. I remember the audition like pretty viscerally, but when I was a fresh, well, I would say a first year now in high school, the theater director asked if I would choreograph guys and dolls for the middle school. And it was my first professional choreography gig where I choreographed 250 middle school students in this production. As a freshman, you were a freshman? Yeah, I was a ninth grader. And I, and I, I've literally never stopped since. And that's when I like, I had this, you know, throughout high school, I choreographed a lot for our choir, like our like show choir type thing for the band for like folks just sought me out and it was it was something where I was like oh I get to like bring all of these things I love together and like create something for an audience to experience um and I was also choreographing stuff for theater and you know I talk about this with students and young folks all the time where it's like we all have these like like wave like experiences with dance where um you like really really love it and you've experienced this huge high and then like you experience a valley and like you're not as uh engaged or interested and that's like a total normal thing for any relationship with anything ever (laughs) like your house plants your partner your couch right like you'll you'll go through ups and downs and I was like sick of dance as a senior in in high school and as I was applying for colleges I made this decision that I would be a film producer which I do think I would still be good at like I've decided that now I think I would still be quite good at that job and so I went into college thinking that that's what I would do and I mean, I didn't even know what that was. Like, I just, I just like, that's what I had in my brain as like a thing that I thought would be interesting. And, you know, I saw a poster. I didn't even, I didn't have a dance scholarship all through college because they do their scholarship auditions before. And I saw a poster and I went, I was like, oh yeah, that could be cool. And I went and I was, you know, like the only freshman to be placed into the company. And, and, and it's not about that. Like, it's weird to even frame it that way. But like, I think that because I was in a, in a situation where I was challenged and that I was like learning, like, like in my whole body. And then, you know, I, I question dance every single day, but I, there is nothing, I have found nothing that challenges me more than Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. There is a continual world of investigation that seems endless and I get bored very fast. And, Mm -hmm. and so like to be so consistently challenged and to have this like turnover of ideas but then also like a gathering of ideas at the same time I I don't I'm sure in a different timeline in a different you know universe I'm living multiple different 
careers, mm. it is wholly imperfect, like WH, wholly imperfect, but wholly gripping at the same time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that, that's like one vein. And then I would say the other vein is I am obsessed with feeling my body in extraordinary circumstances like I'm a scuba diver and I'm a skier and I've jumped out of planes and off of bridges and I um you know camp in under like like under 20 degree weather you know like I I like to be in extraordinary circumstances and dance allows me to do that every day Mm -hmm. like it allows me to push my capacity of like sensation and how I feel my body and how I feel my body in space and in time and in the elements. Um, so there's like a little bit of like chasing superpowers or like superherodom. And I think that dance, dancing allows us to do that daily. Like I'll sit on the train with my friends and be like, nobody, know- like you don't know by looking at us, but like, we're we're actually superheroes like if we were to stand up and yeah so I think that that's a really big part of it as well yeah it's so interesting that you you're using the words of like superpower because it totally is and there's so many different aspects of dance that you've just spoken to of like in the mind, in the creativity, like film producing, you could do that as a dancer, you know, choreographing theater works. Um, You have to be your own businesswoman a little bit too as as a dancer, but also having these moments of, I'm bored of this movement style. I'm gonna go like take a couple other classes or learn from somebody else and just kind of gather what they archive within their own history of body movement. Um, And then how do you take that in? Yeah, I would go even one step further to say, like, I hate dance. (laughs) (laughs) Like, simultaneously. And I think that's, I think that's something, like, I just fucking hate it. And there's so many reasons that we can or cannot get into, or maybe it's a whole other podcast episode. But, but there's, sometimes I describe it like, it's like the best type of relationship because I can get so mad at it and so frustrated with it and like step away from it. But then it's literally always there when I need to come back. Yeah. And I can cheat on it and I can, you know what I mean? Like, like it, yeah, there's a lot to be frustrated with in the field and in the history and in um, the current application of the form and yeah, there's like those sensations are things that I feel like really deeply and I get like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's kind of brutal sometimes, you know? Yeah. Like the business side you just talked about, like, it's why the, the degree that I designed at AU, like they have to take business classes because nobody prepares you to be a, like, a CEO and a CEFO and an HR person all wrapped into one. Nobody is like, Hey, guess what? You're going to run the whole thing. Like you better have all these skills. Um, and you have to do all the grant writing and you have to, you know, and like, luckily I have support and that now I have some incredible partners that I work with, but 
it's very easy to get fed up with the system. Um, yeah, Kimberly Bartosik just wrote an article about what we need um, to like reimagine the funding structures and like Rosie Seamus has been talking about how funding structures are inherently um, like create these gate gateways for specifically black and indigenous and people of color. And it's like, yeah, the field like isn't just fucking gumdrops and unicorns, you know, yeah. there's, um, there's a lot of bristle and thorn and shit to wade through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But also here I am, <laughs> you know, you are doing it, talking about yeah. it, being doing involved. It. Yeah. And I mean, and that's just it. I, I think it's a lot of us having these conversations, like these really hard conversations of one, what is our relationship personally with dance? And two, how are we seeing the world and the world's relationship within dance and those around us? It's important to read those articles. It's important to have these conversations with other dancers. And it's also really interesting to have these conversations with our audience members or with those who kind of what you're talking about have like stepped away from the dance world. And there's oftentimes in Baron Ballet where we talk about this of, you know, I, Amber, I stepped away from ballet. I stepped away from dance period because there was one teacher that said something to me or I had one experience where somebody said I looked terrible in a costume and it's like, oh snap. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Let, let's talk about why one, that situation should not have happened. Mm -hmm. um, and two, how can we kind of reconcile with that? How can we not, I mean, it's, it's a long way of correcting the system or fixing the system, but how can we go towards that? How can we build the road? The yeah. Yellow Brick Road musical theater people. Yeah, the yeah. Get, get to that, you know? And I do. It's, it's these hard conversations to have. Yeah, and like, yeah, there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> There's a lot, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. The as a professor, I encounter those folks constantly. And that's actually one of the reasons that I am a teacher is, you know, I think that if I really wanted to make a difference, I would teach like the 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 impact is with the youth. Mm -hmm. Um but I've just I've I decided early on that the the quickest way to make an impact on youth is to work with folks who will teach the youth and instill in them a value system that is um, oriented around inclusion and acknowledging histories and uh, continuous like fervor as never ending students because every, every year I am working with students who are working through and undoing traumas from their youth mm -hmm. and if only like I, I I always think about like what work could I be doing with these folks if we weren't spending so much energy on undoing what has happened in their youth 
Hi, Beer and Ballet fans. It's me just popping in, wanting to say hi. Hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. And also just to announce that we will be taking a break from revealing some of our podcasts until the new year. So we will be bringing in a lot of new folks. We'll be bringing in a lot of old folks. And we'll continue the chat of the dance community and the brewing community and what both have to offer to each other and what both have to offer to the community around us and the world around us. It's a beautiful place, y'all, and I'm so excited to bring you on the journey with me. All right, exciting things coming. Let's get back to the yeah, podcast. Yeah, it's, it's not great out there. Um, so if you're a parent listening to this, make sure you know what these teachers' values are. Like that's when folks are like, oh, you know, my daughter or my son or my, my kid wants to take dance class. What do you think? And I'm like, get to know the teacher and make sure you trust them. Yep. That's and anything after that. And I always say, enroll in TAP. Like TAP is the thing that I, I think for youth is the quickest way to build uh, a relationship with rhythm and a relationship like full body coordination. As a person who grew up with TAP and ballet first, you know, that good old TAP ballet combo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, but like, more than the form it's do you trust the teacher and do you trust their values and do they actually live their values or is it just a beautiful piece of writing on a website like is it actually happening in class um and to believe your kid if they tell you something weird is going on yeah And, and and that's something that's really important for parents listening is because what i hear too is the world is so fast paced And it's my kid wants to do this. I want to make sure they get into it. And, you know, you go on your phone and you type in dance studios near me or dance studios near my work, which, you know, and then the the instant thing is I'm going to go to what's closest to me, or I'm going to try a couple of them and see which ones they like better. But this is really good advice of actually talk to the teacher, actually Mm -hmm. talk to the studio owner, Um, look at their quote unquote curriculum. I mean, that's a weird way of saying it for studios, but like, what are the steps that, you know, they take their kids within the studio? Are they a competitive studio versus a non-competitive studio? Um, And that's a whole other subject within that. Yeah. That world is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you want your kid to get out of this? Yeah. Like that's the other question to ask. Anyhow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have so many podcasts in this. We we gotta bring yeah. more. Yeah. Can't <laughs> I would let yeah, let's talk again because that's a whole thing right there. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, let's talk about some of the work that you've been doing. I, I actually want to point out a quote that I found really interesting in your bio on your website, which by the way, everybody go on the website. I say it every time we do these interviews, but um, it's really interesting to see one, how you have it set up, which I want to talk about in a second, because I think it's really powerful. And two, just seeing the imagery that you have on there of the works that you've done. But there's a quote in your bio that says, um, your practice churns at the intersection of body, question theory, relation and design. So can you kind of describe for our listeners exactly what you mean by that? Yeah, it's a lot of, lot of tasty words that like, what do they mean all together? Um, so I want to start with the word churn. I think that uh, research is not a linear, like 
it's not just point A to point B. It is, um, and for me, my practice is is research. I I am currently defining my my work as a choreographer as organizing constellations of relations, because choreography for me is a way of relating to ideas, to people, to myself, to my history, to my world, to everything <laughs> and then and then organizing that into like con- constellations moving shifting points that have vectors to other relations that uh, ultimately then relates to and through and with an audience or audience member and so this like churning aspect is that um, we are we are in the thick of it 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 being the research or the practice, it doesn't have a beginning or an end per se. That you know the, the, you know people always talk about dance as being ephemeral, and for me, it is lasting. It lives in my cells. You know, every process I'm ever engaged in will be with me forever in mm-hmm. my in my body. And so this churning aspect is that, like maybe you can think of like compost. You know it we we stir it and it feeds and it's it is both decomposing and creating at the same time and the beginning of anything for me is always a question and that question might not be fully formed or like beautiful pristine like it is about xyz which is what the grant or the funding agency wants you to have mm. i i think that new is impossible new is fake everything is a mix of something else I am that like my DNA is literally from two other people colliding so what it means to like bring things bring questions bring curiosities bring images together and begin to grapple begin to put it into the body and the body is the body is is everything folks like go ahead pat your thigh that flesh right there is literally how you meet your world at any second and this is the thing I'm looking at my hands right now like thinking about my flesh as the way that I engage with the world how I engage with myself how I meet everything that's around me and behind me and before me and through me so the body is where I it is medium it is research hub it is intermediary and theory theory philosophy you know whatever I'm interested in big questions in relationship to that I I'm interested in what, like, I I subscribe to this principle that simplicity reveals interlying complexity and vice versa. And I think that theory and philosophy are ways for us to be in relationship with our world and its complexities. And I think that dance is the best way to grapple with theory and philosophy because then it takes something that often lives in the abstract and takes it into the tacit, into the tactile, into the present. It's sticky and juicy and delightful and uh, never ceases to be interesting. And that is like the final part of like my commitment to myself is that I am always pushing into the next 
um, because I, I don't believe in new. So like, what's next? What is the next way to be thinking and working and doing? Because once I'm bored, once I start finding a formula for making dances, I gotta, gotta, gotta cut it, cut it out, you know, gotta call it quits because then it's no longer providing me with anything new or providing the world with anything new. It just is, it just becomes um, kind of recursive and redundant, period. No, I think that's a beautiful way of saying it. And I mean, there, as you're talking, I, I keep seeing this, this thing of passage of time, like you're saying, um, what is next versus what is new. Um, I think that's some really great aspects for our listeners to kind of think about a little bit, you know, even if you're not a professional dancer, I think that's some words to just kind of think of like, especially in times of COVID where we're all working at home, you know, instead right. like switch that mindset of, okay, so next I have to do this task. Next I have to do this task. No, like, you know, there, there's something new. There's something, there's something there. There, There's something to make it interesting for you. Um, but it's like you said, once it gets to that mode of, nope, I'm in the same thing over and over and over again, I think that's where the trouble kind of starts. Like you're pointing. Yeah you know, people write in creativity books all the time about like finding a rut. And I think that's the other thing, you know, the word practice gets thrown around. Um, But for me, like, I really, I really adhere to that where it's like, it's a daily thing. Like I'm, I am in the practice of it, of creativity, of idea, like ideation, of moving and that practice then makes it you know it makes it work I'm not gonna lie but that also is what helps me stay grounded in what I'm doing Mm. so that if I if I am in that rut I know that there's always tomorrow and I feel like we're it seems like anyway we're kind of going towards the question of um what your creative mission is within the, the things that you're creating. And, and that could be like right now, or maybe where it started versus, versus where it is right now. My mission is pretty simple. It's to activate the body as, you know, research hub as uh, intermer- intermediary, as um, sensory uh, modality towards the like towards education and towards making and towards togetherness at any given time like and something that I actively do is that I'm I'm always working on at least three to four projects at any given moment Mm -hmm. and in those projects they're all at different stages because I I find that like a balance between constant and iterative is where I find the best opportunities for both like enough time away to step in and see the thing anew, but then also like enough time to be engaging with lots of different input and content and context from different spaces in the world and in my life. So lots of my projects end up taking two to 10 years and but at the same time, you know, like, for example, and now hold me is in post production, or like we're, we're in post and we're getting ready to premiere next year frequencies. This is year two, and we will premiere in October. External organ, I have a lot of like, 
output that's coming out of that project. But then I'm also choreographing musicals and plays and like smaller projects for university. And that practice is my like life source. It's like really important to me that I'm constantly generating because everything informs everything else. And then it like, it allows me, like, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Let me say that. Like, the only, only do this if it makes sense to you. But like, it, it really is a big part of what I need as a, as a creative. So, you know, and, and also like speaking back to mission, like the questions that I'm tackling are like a bit large, you know? So it takes like, it takes time. It takes time. Um, and it's, it feels weird to say that it doesn't take time. It needs time. Yeah. It needs time. A big part of my work is inviting people in and doing showings throughout the process. So like I always have provocateurs and like I work with a dramaturg and I do process showings and because like I'm not hyper precious about my work. Like I need, I need people to see it because that's how I, that it's, it's information gathering, it's data. And that data is imperative to um, making work that like it is, it is 100% my voice, but in order for my work to be at all potent, I, I work really hard to engage um, throughout the process in ways that engage community and you know performance is not the end or like the goal for me it's right now the way I'm talking about my work is that they are they are it is they are work objects the dances are things that work they function they're models I even have a, a Robert Wifter and I um are collaborating on a project called a model for staying with where like literally it like I'm holding my whiskey glass right now and the whiskey glass can serve many functions. And right now its function is to hold my melting ice cube. And like the dance, the dance has function and how, and how it, how it actually works and lives and breathes. It's not just a passive thing to be watched. It's, uh, which doesn't require like audience participation in the way that we often think because nobody wants to do that. Like, let's be real. Like nobody really wants to do that. So like how to, how, yeah. And like, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with it. Like, how does it work? How does it function? What does it do? And a beautiful thing is a beautiful thing that its function is to be beautiful. You know, we could talk about defining beauty for a whole nother podcast, but that is a function that I respect. Uh, it is often not the function I am chasing, but you know, there are many things that are built to be beautiful and to assuage and to soothe. All right, friends, thanks for joining us for part one of Britta Joy Peterson's interview with Beer and Ballet. Please go check out her website. Please go check out her social media. She's doing some awesome things for the community and meeting some great folks along the way that you should get to know too. And hey, happy holidays. 
I hope you all are having a wonderful time seeing some new friends, some old friends, some family, all the spaces that you love and hold deep within your heart and soul. I hope you have some wonderful times. I hope you get to try some new brews. And hey, let us know. Shoot us an Instagram message. And I'd love to hear what y'all are sipping on, what classes y'all are taking, what new experiences you're having. And we'll come back with part two of Britta Joy Peterson's interview in two weeks. Other than that, have a great rest of your day. Bye, everyone.